Hey, this is Andra Bowling. And if you want to learn the six and seven figure science to success, significantly increase your revenue and learn how to successfully build professional relationships, you should be listening to Sell Without Selling podcast with my good friend, Stacey Aburn. If you're ready to get out of your own way to follow the seven figure science of success, then welcome to Sell Without Selling. Tune in with renowned international speaker Stacey O'Byrne as she shows you how mastering relationships, achieving the proper mindset, and attaining the necessary motivation will catapult you away from failure and onto your journey to greatness. And now, here is your host, Stacey O'Byrne. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Sell Without Selling. I'm your host, Stacey O'Byrne, and I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. Today, I'm speaking with a new and becoming a very dear friend of mine, Andra Bolin. Andra is a sales call strategist and consultant for service-based businesses who want to increase sales conversions, attract prospects who are already primed, prepared, and qualified to purchase. She helps businesses create an epic enrollment experience that is aligned with their core values, mission, and vision of their business that results in a win for everyone. Her core belief is that sales calls should not be doing all the heavy lifting and selling, should be centered around solving and serving. She helps businesses accomplish this by bringing forth her 30 years of corporate experience developing sales teams, sales processes, and exceeding sales performance KPIs for converting sales for Fortune 500 products and services. She's on a mission to demystify the stigmas around selling. This is something her and I share intimately and works with businesses and corporate sales teams to foster a healthy relationship with selling by providing her clients and customers with tools that make selling not only easy, but transformational for the business and the customer. I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure results. I am so excited for you to hear my conversation today with Andra. And really quick, if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, or sales professional, and you haven't hit the level of success that you've wanted or needed, or if you're stuck and needing a pivot in your business and your success, or you just want more, and you understand the importance of having a coach to help identify the blind spots, increase accountability, and help with success strategies to take you, your business, your bank account, and your life to the next level. If that sounds like something for you, then head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. Let's get a 15 minute call on the calendar and see if we're a great fit for each other. All right, let's do this. Andra, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be so much fun. I can already yeah. feel it. <laughs> I'm excited. I know that I know that you've got a really crazy schedule that you pack yourself productively. And I want to make sure that we just leverage your time, our listeners' time, and my time and just knock this out of the park. Let's do it. All right. So, you know, you've got a hell of a background in sales. You really climbed the corporate ladder and works worked for some pretty big companies. 
So did you just wake up one day and go, hmm, think I want to just be in sales? <laughs> no, what's funny is I, I kind of fell into it. I, as a young 16 year old, the only jobs that you could get was at like fast food joints and things like that nature. And I had a friend that, that told me, Hey, you should try, you know, this telemarketing job. That's what they called it back then, you know? Yep. And I tried it and quite frankly, I fell in love with it because it was just a place where I felt connection really deeply where I was lacking that in my personal life. So for mm -hmm. me, I, I fell into this opportunity to sell, figured out that I was good at it, but it really became something much more greater for me as time went on and I matured into a younger woman versus a teenager. <laughs> nice, nice. You know, I, I can remember the very first time I ever sold was, I was probably five or six. And I told, I told my parents that I wanted to make a lemonade stand. And, you know, this is back in Pennsylvania. I live just outside of Philadelphia. And um, my dad said, well, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it right. And he took me to a lumber yard and he bought all this lumber and he built me a lemonade stand, kind of like the peanuts kissing booth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> built me a lemonade stand and then built me for labor and materials. Oh. Then, then took my mother took me to the market and bought me all of the stuff to make lemonade and the cups and everything like that and build me for materials and education on how to make the lemonade. Wow. So I had this outstanding invoice with my parents and I would sit there and, you know, I lived in upper middle-class suburbia. So maybe one car an hour would drive by mm -hmm. and that wasn't happening at 15 cents a cup. It just wasn't. So I sent my brother to go knock on all the doors, you know, on my street and the neighbors came out and they started buying lemonade and I started getting busy. And then I realized if I paid him a penny for everyone he got, I still was making 10% profit, but I still had this invoice. So then I started getting all of our friends to go out and I started like leveraging the sales team of 10 people. Wow. Yeah. And it took me one, one season to get that entire invoice paid off. And I just had this moving forward. And then when I got into, um, I was probably like third or fourth grade and I was allowed to walk to the store on my own. I'd buy those little bubble gums mm -hmm. for like a nickel a piece mm -hmm. and then take them to school and sell them for 10 to 25 cents, you know, supply and demand. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's like what really got me into sales. And, and I never really realized that I really wasn't selling. I just had a product service and solution that people had a need, want, and desire for, and I was filling it. Yeah. And it became fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, the worst someone could say is no. And I was okay right. with that. Right? right. Absolutely. That's when our job begins in many cases. Yeah. That's yeah. so interesting because as you're sharing that, I'm, I'm just recalling back. I think that so many of us, especially if you're someone that's afraid to sell, you forget that you've been doing that. It's actually innate within us to actually have persuasive conversations with people, and including our parents. You're doing it with your children. You're negotiating. You're trying to find this kind of this beautiful 
bubble of space where both can exist and everyone's winning inside of it. So it's really interesting to hear that because I didn't even realize that I was selling at such a young age until I actually officially took a sales job. I just thought I was really good at being persuasive yeah. to try and get my way um, and make it a win with my family and friends and things of that nature. So that was a really cool story that you shared. I love that. We call it being influential. Yes. Some parents call it teenage manipulation. I think <laughs> if a teenager gets really good at communication, they can move from manipulation to influence as long as they're creating a win-win. That's right. That's right. I still have, my mom still has letters for me of like when I would get in trouble and I would write a letter to try and figure out how to barter and like apologize, barter, make them happy and get my, get my freedom. Back. <laughs> <laughs> so through your journey, you know, you've worked for some pretty big corporations. What made you decide to hang your hat uh, and walk away from corporate America and start building your own thing? You know, it was a, it was an interesting decision because so many of the stories that I hear from my other friends in business, they kind of have this angry, um, or they were disappointed by corporate America, or they felt, um, constrained by corporate America. I actually loved corporate America. So my story is much different because I love the people that I worked with. I love the camaraderie. I was a high performer. So maybe that made a difference to be quite frank. Because when mm -hmm. you're performing, you're never in trouble. You have a lot more freedom. You have a lot more leeway. But the real reason why I left was I had a, I woke up in the middle of the night and I'll never forget this. And this may sound a little too woo for people, but I basically just heard a message that said, if you don't go now, you never will. Oh. And it was a really powerful message. Um, I responded to it. I knew exactly what it was. And at that time, um, because of the work that I was doing um, in the business that I worked for, I was responsible to a lot of people, even outside of the United States. So if something happened from a technical standpoint, they could call me at three o'clock in the morning and by rights, I needed to be available to answer that, that call. Mm -hmm. And so while there was some time freedom, like constraints, like I was like, this is crazy. Um, that I think that combined with that message of where else are you going to go? If you don't go now, you never will right. was a really powerful moment for me. And, and quite frankly, I would never give anyone <laughs> the same, the same route that I took because I literally just free flew. I knew that I didn't have a plan. I didn't have money in my savings account. <laughs> I didn't have anything. But what I knew is I had a couple of friends that I worked with way back in the day who had started their own business. And I thought if those two clowns can do it, I can too. And what I always had, my security blanket was, I had good relationships with the people that I worked with and I could sell. And so if, if anything happened where I didn't make it out there in the world of entrepreneurship, I knew I could always sell and I could always fall back on those relationships. And that was in 2008 and here we are today. Nice, nice. So. When you were in corporate America, did you define selling the same or different as when you're today as a business owner and entrepreneur? You know, I think what's really interesting is I think that it's not static, it's dynamic. And I'm a fan of um, 
always sharpening the saw. Mm. So my definition of selling has absolutely evolved. Yeah. When I first started selling, it was very self, um, selfish in a lot of ways. I just wanted to get the sell. That's the 16 year old girl that just wanted to win and make money. Mm-hmm. Uh, by 19, I actually started to learn that the real power of selling was by selling with your ears, not your mouth. Mm. And then as I continued to evolve in selling, selling different things, selling bigger ticket items, selling to a different um, mind, a different level of maturity, things continue to evolve. And so it absolutely has evolved. Um, It's a much more deeper, more sacred act to me in a weird way um, because selling was the, this is going to be opposite to many people's experiences, but I don't believe that you always have to have a rags to riches story to really help people. I think you need to be able to understand people. And so I didn't have a rags to riches story. I was always good at selling but I was not good at listening. I was not good at listening beyond what was being spoken. And when I really um, understood that, which means I had to do my own personal work to just get myself a little bit more grounded and centered, then selling not only got easier, but it became a really exciting, I, I, it's kind of hard to say, but I almost got to, it was never boring to me because I was like, I get to actually help people act on decisions they already made. Are you kidding me? Like, this is so rad, you know, like who gets to sit on the front in the front row of that party. Um, And then knowing that it made it easier for me to then start teaching other people because there was a time when, you know, I was young, I was selling and people, and I was in the top 1% of the nation of over 10,000 employees. And people used to ask me all the time, why are you so good? And I did not know the answer to the question. At that time, I thought that selling, you either had it or you didn't. Mm-hmm. Now, I know it's so much more different. I know that all you have to have is a real desire to help facilitate people stepping into their winning season, to help them solve. That's it. That's my only job. And it's awesome. <laughs> You know, I, I'm, I'm scrambling to take notes because you're bringing up so many nuggets that I want to, I want to pick up and talk about, you know, one of the very first things you said is sales is not dynamic. And I think that that's probably one of the things that people struggle with the most. Tell me what to say. I need a script. Tell me what to do. And reality is there is no cookie cutter answer. I jokingly say cookie cutters belong in a kitchen. Not in coaching and not in selling, right? Mm-hmm. So what happens is, is the if if you really need to be told what to do, it's be present. Yeah. Shut your mouth, open your ears, and really listen to the person standing in front of you. Yeah. The number one thing to understand is people really don't care about your product, service, and solution. They really don't. And I mean that with all the respect in the world. What people care about is the problem they have Mm -hmm. and solving that problem because that's a pain point for them. And you as a solution provider, you get to really understand their problem so you can determine whether or not you can solve it or not. Because if you can't solve it, you have no business engaging and attempting to, right? Absolutely which makes it so undynamic, which makes it so dynamic yeah, because you have to be able to be fluid. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and I think what happens is, which then rolls into another golden nugget you brought up, which is sharpening your saw, which by the way, some people know what that means and some people don't, right? So Stephen, Co Stephen Covey's uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, one of the habits is sharpening our saws, right? And what that means is really honing in and taking time to refine our tools. And, you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know, I preach on a pulpit to get your butt out there and invest 30% back into yourself on an annual basis. It'll pay you back tenfold, right? So uh, having a seven figure business that becomes significant for me. And I have to tell you, it's one of the best things I've ever done. So when you sharpen your saw, and when you really allow yourself to invest in you, a multitude of things happen from there. One, it makes it easier for others to invest in you. And two, it makes you able to have those dynamic live conversations because you can stand on a platform knowing I am good. Yeah. I am worth it. I am the best of the best. Yeah, I just saw a really cool TikTok with Kobe Bryant, and it really um, was so amazing because it's it's a it's a practical tip for everybody. And he was basically sharing that like that he practices from four to six, and then he practices from you know a two hour blocks all throughout the day up until nine p.m. And he said, and that's how I always stay ahead of my competition, so that at some point my competition can never catch me. And for us, no matter what our work is and what we're doing in the world, that's an opportunity for us to remember that we're never masters in, in the sense that, you know, we, I never have to, there's never going to be a point where I won't be genuinely interested to learn more about sales and marketing and how to connect with people and how to create experiences. If I ever stop wanting to learn that, then I should probably be in something else. And so I think there's a real opportunity for entrepreneurs because I see this lacking is that there's an ego thing that they don't want to continue to learn. Look at here we are together. I'm in sales. You here it is selling without selling. And there would be no reason why I wouldn't want to learn from you because I vice versa. I'm just going to get better, you know? And so I think that's, I think you, you bring up something really important. The other thing that I find fascinating is that Look, there are people right now that are probably listening and thinking, how could I sell without a, a script? Because that's your safety. That's your comfort. Mm -hmm. And I would be lying if I said that when I first started selling that I didn't have a script. But what happened is, is that you have to make a commitment that you turn that script into just call flow guidelines and you give yourself permission to flow mm -hmm. through it so that you, because a big part of selling is Trusting that you're going to ask the right questions, trusting that you're going to hear what you need to hear and trusting that you will be able to articulate in such a way that there is a connection between your words and their understanding to create an opportunity for them to step into the solution, even if the solution is not yours. Yeah. You know, you bring up a great point that that call scripting, you know, we have all called that 1-800-screw-you line. <laughs> 
where your, you know, your cable's down, your internet's down, whatever's down, you call and they answer the phone and they go, I'm so happy that you've called me. Well, I'm not happy I've had to call you. So how about we get off script and talk about the problem so that we can solve it? And then they, keep, they continue to go off script and continue to go on script and stay on script. And 15 minutes into it, you're finally talking about the issue. And then you can tell they're pushing buttons that lead them down other parts of the script, which aren't a direction to go. If you absolutely are uncomfortable representing your product service and solution and need talking points, use them for that. Mm -hmm. Because anything outside of that really deedifies you instantaneously. It really mm -hmm. takes away the credibility as to you're the expert. Because if you really are, if you really can solve the problem service if your problem, service, and solution really can solve their need, want, and desire, you should be able to have dialogue about it. Absolutely. And I think where so many people get stuck is they're great at asking questions, yep. great at talking about their product and service, but where they struggle and what I've seen in working with, with people is they get stuck in the transition and in the transformation. Yep. The transition into asserting yourself into the invitation and making the recommendation, asking them to step into that solution. And then really like seeing it through, if they get any sort of objections or delays, they all of a sudden start to backtrack and they start shrinking into themselves mm -hmm. because they now some of their old stuff is coming up, right? They think I shouldn't have to beg for money. I shouldn't have to do this or I shouldn't, or it brings up those personal insecurities. Yeah. And what I always tell people is you should treat every prospect like you would your own client. Mm. And what that means is, is that if you're the leader and you're the expert of your business, which we know you are, you would never steer your client in a wrong direction. You would lead. Yeah. And so there is a time, there's so many different um, roles that you step into inside of an actual conversation, but one of them will always be leading. Yep. And, and I think that's where people struggle the most. And so I always invite people, if you're someone that's listening and you're like, I do struggle in that area, try this on, try to, try to act and give direction as if you, they were already paying you and watch what unfolds for you. Well, the, that's a beautiful point. You know, I don't refer to anyone as a prospect. I refer to everyone as a prospective client. Because I believe that if they're standing in front of me, metaphorically speaking, it could be on Zoom, could be on the phone. If they are in front of me, they already have a need, want, and desire for my product, service, and solution. They've window shopped already. They window shopped on Google. They are looking for what service to buy and who to buy it from. So because of that, so many people use the assume the sale as an excuse to fail. And what I mean by that is industries have told people, assume the sale, it's yours to lose. It absolutely is. Don't assume it to the point that you forget to serve it. Mm. And don't assume it to the point where you forget to ask for it. So good, yes. So good.
I wish you guys had seen my face right now. <laughs> they will, because you'll be on YouTube. <laughs> Good. Oh, look, see, I'm glad I, I made my hair cute for you guys. I too. know, see? <laughs> Great. <laughs> this is so much fun. So, you know, what, what happens is, is, is having that, that conversation. And, and you're right, when, when they're engaged with that prospective client and they're feeling like I shouldn't have to beg for money, I shouldn't have to ask, I, that's not all that's coming up. So many blind spots start flooding their neurology. Well, it like, now this is gonna sound woo woo too, right? When they were little and they asked for something at the store and their parents said, honey, put that back, we can't afford it. We don't know what message that imprints in the little brain, right? Money's not abundant. I'm not worth it. You know, I money isn't isn't easy to come by, or I can't ever have what I want. You know, I bring this up on podcasts a lot. The other thing that happens is, is if, if they have self-worth, self-belief, or any other trigger or program that runs that that we or they don't know about the itty bitty shitty committee deploys mm -hmm. and if they turn around and throw out a dollar amount a thousand dollars and the person makes a face they're like oh well would 500 work right. and it's like why did you short sell yourself yeah so you brought up a couple other things that that i want to hit on really quick and that was the rags to riches thing you know, <clears throat> I grew up with a silver spoon in my mouth. I grew up with uh, an Irish immigrant who, who knew that abundance was everywhere because all the Irish did was get drunk and barter, right? And that's kind of the world my dad came from. He just, he would get drunk and serve people's problems. And so, yes, I grew up with an alcoholic father and I'm very blessed because he taught me that no just means the way you, you approached it didn't work and you get to find a new way. And it taught me to really look at how I show up and what I do. I say that because growing up with a silver spoon, I never knew what rags to riches was. I never didn't have money until I didn't. You know, even when I got laid off after 9-11, I, I could have semi-retired then. And I chose to pursue entrepreneurism very reluctantly, built a seven-figure business, a multi-million dollar company, had a business partner embezzled from me. That's where I got my multi-million dollar PhD from the School of Hard Knocks. That's where the rags to riches happened for me. You don't need that rags to riches story to be relatable or unrelatable. Mm -hmm. What you need is a foundation of stability to stand on. Mm -hmm. Because if you invest in you, they can invest in you. If mm -hmm. you believe in you, they can believe in you. And this isn't this fake it till you make it shit. No. This is congruency and authenticity. And so many people forget i always tell them look if you're going to be in sales you got to be a cat and that you have to be congruent you have to be authentic and you have to be transparent I'm not talking about the cat that gets persnippity and won't <laughs> let you pet them i'm not talking about that <laughs> so when it comes to sales 
lives. In my humble opinion, the more transparent you are, the more relatable you become. Mm -hmm. So true. And I also think what's really interesting, I, I, I used to say, you know, to people, and I still will say this, it's not really about you. So you Amen. really don't have any business. Now, I know that you'll come at me for this one, but it's like, like you have to table some of that stuff that you have. And I don't even know if that's possible, but if you can act like, and this is where I'm like, you've got to tap into something different sometimes because if somebody throws, as you, to your example says, you know, you see a face when you say, you know, and you can join me for a thousand dollars. And then all of a sudden you step into your own story, then you're no longer, you're no longer available for who you're supposed to be present to, which is them. Correct. So the real opportunity is to step into their story, not mm -hmm. your own, because it's only through that, that you're able to do what your dad said is like with the no, it's like, you have to look at other ways. And so to me, there's a framework that I use, it's called guts. And it's, you know, anytime you get some form of an objection, your job is to discern if it's an abduct, if it's a true objection, which is a delay of a decision or a real condition, you know, if it's, and the only way to do that is to gather more information, check for understanding, test, test what you've learned from that investigation yeah. and then move into solving. Yeah. And so that's really the process that we should all be going through when we're met with objections or anything that's not a, yeah, let's go yeah. uh, statement. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, reality is, re reality is, you know, our perspective clients are so tired of being sold to. Mm -hmm. And just like we as salespeople have junk in the trunk, so do they. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't, we can't put our neurology to the side. We can't put our programming to the side. If you have a glitch in the matrix, the glitch in the matrix is going to divulge itself. However, we, we were saying the same thing when we were talking about being transparent. You can't show up as Joe Cole, who has Ferrari pictures on social media and tell someone you can't afford to take a $100 class. You just can't do it. That's incongruent. Right. <laughs> so we absolutely have to be present to that prospective client and their needs. And it's important to understand when you do your presentation, it's got, you have to be able to step into their map of reality, speak into their listening and make it about them and not about your process. That's number one. Number two, it's really, really important for you to also understand any objection they deliver is a surface level objection. The, I don't have time, I don't have money, this won't work for me. It works for everybody else, but it won't work for me. Mm -hmm. All of that is surface level. We as solution providers can't solve problems that aren't true. Mm -hmm. We can't. We can only solve deep structured problems. And the only way to do that is to be able to organically ask questions yep. so that you can test by using their sensory acuity to know 
when you've really gotten to the, the deep structured problem? Because that's the only thing you can solve. Yeah, I love that because I think so often in my experience, no matter what they say on the surface, there's three objections that we have to meet and be able to help people work through. And that is, am I enough? Do I know enough? And do I have enough? Amen. That's it. Those are the yeah. three. Now they'll show up as, let me think about it, or I need to talk to my spouse, or I'm not sure. So you, to me, I, I used to play soccer when I was younger, and my favorite position was goalie because I felt like I had more control to approach. I had, you know, I had this big box, you know, that I could, I could step up to as close to that line. And I was very assertive because I didn't want to wait for balls to come my way. I wanted to go get the ball. Mm -hmm. And um, I think of it like that. My job is to minimize their stress, yep. which would come in the form of objection. So my job in any conversation is to make sure that they know if they do have enough, if they are enough, if, are they in the right state of mind to actually receive the solution and benefit from it? Yep. Do they have the right skill set? Like, so it's like, dude, I want to answer those, those deep concerns that they potentially have. So I proactively like to do that throughout the conversation so that it's clear because I'm a fan of like, you know, I like to say, Hey, this is about the time that we say, let's go, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. You know, so yeah, so I think that I love that you brought that up because I think so many people, um, they get stopped by that because they're focused on the surface of what they just heard versus going underneath it. Yep. Yep. You know, I, I love that metaphor you just brought up because one of the questions that I wanted to ask you is why do you think so many entrepreneurs and self-employed business owners struggle with success and with, and with sales your metaphor of the goalie was perfect because, you know, I, I have a metaphor that's also reality of how my daughter threw it in my face to coach her soccer team. You know, I was, I was an award-winning softball player. I was an award-winning basketball player. I got scholarships to both. I played all army softball, all army basketball. I was so excited when I had a daughter because I knew I was going to coach her softball team and her basketball team to only find out she hated both balls. Oh, hated no. them. And anytime I would buy her one, she put it on the floor and kick it to me. I eventually became her soccer coach very reluctantly. And the only reason why I made it work when she asked me to do it and I told her I knew nothing about it, she threw in my face to go read a book because that's what I always tell her to do. So I had to read a book to learn about soccer so I could coach it. And I realized that it was just like basketball, but with your feet instead of your hands. Mm -hmm. So we did really well. I mean, we went to championships. It was phenomenal. One of the reasons why is because I didn't know soccer formations. I knew basketball formations. So that's what I taught them. And teams couldn't defend against them because they didn't know them. Mm -hmm. So fast forward fast forward, you're right, because a goalie who's passive is going to get scored against more than a goalie who is aggressive. And to teach someone to run at someone who's running at you mm -hmm. is, it, it's, it's outside of their innate programming, run towards pressure. All of that being said, that's why so many out there struggle.
the order taker waits for stuff to fall on their lap. Yeah. The order maker goes out and gets it. That's right. And I think that it, it was such a um, new experience for me coming into entrepreneurship and seeing so many people struggling with selling because I came from a corporate environment where that was just the norm. Like there was no, there was no um, negative energy towards it or negative emotion. Like, and now you see it, especially in the entrepreneurial space, at least where I'm at with, you know, more service providers, coaches, and um, digital educators is they don't want to sell. Um, and they confuse marketing with selling and they're two very different things. They must work together. Marketing is what, what gets you the lead. Selling is what, you know, solidifies the, like moves them into a customer. Yeah. Converts they them. Both, yeah. They both have to work. Um, but there, I, I think that one of the reasons why, um, so many entrepreneurs struggle is honestly, and, and, and most people won't like me saying that is because I think it's, um, self-indulgent ego crap. I think it's, I think it's, um, it's, it's an unwillingness to do what it takes to actually generate sales. And I know that sounds rude, but it's like, if you don't want to sell and you said that you're going to be the voice of your business, you're slapping your business in the face repeatedly. Yep. And it's infuriating to me. And it's so frustrating because I'm like, it's not actually hard to talk to people and find out how you can help them. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's actually the right thing to do. And so I think there's a big avoidance going on. And I think they'd rather rely on email marketing and other things, but there is going to come a point where people need more information and they want human connection mm -hmm. and they want someone that's available to hold that space with them and guide them because most people don't really know what steps they should take. They're looking for someone to lead them to that. They only know what their problem is and that they don't want to be in that problem anymore, or they're afraid of the future problem that their existing problem is about to create. Yeah. But they don't know what to do and they need someone to guide them. And so I think, you know, the sooner that entrepreneurs kind of get hip to that selling is okay, selling is not gross, <laughs> selling is selling is normal. I think who what book is that? To sell is human. I don't remember the author, but there's a there's a book out there, Daniel something. But he has a book that is titled "To Sell Is Human," and it's a beautiful book. Mm -hmm. um, so I would recommend entrepreneurs take a look at that. Why do you think so many join the Entrepreneurial Witness Protection Program? You keep bringing up ego, and I know <laughs> what you're meaning because I keep telling everyone success will never be built on the platform of ego. And ego self, ego self is evident. Ego self is in existence, right? Mm -hmm. So why do you think so many join the Entrepreneurial Witness Protection Program and go deeper into why you think ego really holds people back? I think that the culture of entrepreneurship has created some bad habits. Mm -hmm. um, I think that it has created, and I have this conversation with people that I work with all the time, that they're following so many other models, almost like templates, the cookie cutters that should stay in the cookie in the kitchen, as you say, they're trying to find the path of least resistance, which is fair enough. Um, but what they have to understand is that the sale doesn't actually happen 
in the phone conversation or in the presentation or the Zoom call. The sale no. actually, the, the sales call should actually be a confirmation of right fit call. Yep. yep. You know? um, that should already happen through the language and the messaging that you're using, how consistently you're sharing content that actually makes a difference in their lives, value rich, you know, intentional strategic marketing is what you need to be doing. Um, the podcast is an example. That's a way of you really presenting real value that people, it's a way for them to connect with you more intimately. And what's happening is someone is listening to you right now and they're getting a nugget of, yep, that just checked off the box. I'm clear. I want to work with Stacy. I want to work with her, but I want to have a call with her to confirm that we're the right fit. Why? Because I need to be sure that I am enough to receive her support, that I have enough to receive her support and that I know enough to receive her support. That's yeah. what those calls are for. And I think that entrepreneurs are missing that vital step. Yeah. And I don't, I want to give you a very clear answer of why are they avoiding this? And all I can think of through my own observation is because they're following the gurus that said that you don't have to. And there's this cultural um, thing in this industry where they just made sales the bad guy. And I'm like, yeah. this isn't, this isn't normal. Right. So let me help you heal your relationship with selling so right. that you don't continue to get in your own way because you are selling yourself short by not creating these opportunities to connect with people in this way. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. You know what else? I'm going to say something real quick. I just want yes, to appreciate this. There is someone that actually, now this is a true story, that came to me, wanted me to hire, wanted to hire me to actually train her team um, on their scripts and their follow throughs and all that stuff. And she now advertises a program to teach people how to sell without like to sell without a sales call. And she's like going out there and basically shitting on sales, which I think is so interesting. You have it right here. You can sell without selling, but that doesn't mean that you don't have to step into conversations with people. I tell people all the time, you can absolutely sell without selling. And it still means that sales is involved with it. You just convert it from, from steering someone into buzzwords to prove they need your product into serving the problems that they have and allowing them to buy. So welcome to the signature question of the show. Okay. <laughs> and that is, what does selling without selling mean to you, Andra? It means to sell with my ears, not with my mouth. And it also means that every conversation that I step into, that I need to fully commit, but be detached from outcomes, which mm -hmm. means I'm going to show up. I'm going to fight for you. If you, if you prove to me that I actually can help you and that this is the right next move and that all the boxes are checked off, I will fight for you to step into that solution. So that's what I mean by fully commit. Nice. And yet I'm detached from the outcome, which means whatever is to be, if I show up like that will be, and it will be in the highest and best good for all. Cause I won't convince them. Cause then you get into that that yeah. am I enough? And sometimes yeah. that mind chatter of people, they can't get past that. So that's when I won't, I'll let you go. But yeah, that's what it really means to me. It's to, it's to fully commit, but detach from outcomes and go all in. Hmm. I love that. You know, for me, it's about standing on a foundation of self-worth, self-belief, self-reliance, 
so that you can show up, build rapport. And I'm not talking about that surface level bullshit. I'm talking about the stuff to where you can really be present mm -hmm. and really be of service and not need that sale to eat, right? Yes. And really be able to connect with your prospective client, step into their map of reality, speak into their listening, present through their decision-making process. Mm -hmm. And the only way you can do that is to understand their problem, their need, yeah, so that you can ensure that your product, service, and solution fulfills that. I love it. And then ask for the sale. I love it so much. You're brilliant. So, well, and so are you, my friend. Do you know, uh, true science, we're incapable of seeing anything in anyone that doesn't exist within us. I believe so, that a thousand yeah. percent. So welcome to the random oh, round. Sorry. No, you're fine. Welcome to the random round. See, I believe that success leaves clues. And I like to ask my expert guests questions so that my listeners can go, you know what? I love that. I want to apply to self. So I have two for you. Question number one, what's your morning ritual look like? So it's... <laughs> You got to tame the hair first. I know yeah, that. I got to tame, tame the curls. No, I, I actually take a moment in my bed um, before I pop out of bed and just kind of wake up my body in a weird way. I just stretch a little bit. Um, as of lately, because I'm really committed to my health, I get up, I slap on my watch, I get my water, I put my gym clothes on. Even if I'm going to check email for a few minutes, I've actually got my body, like myself positioned to go yep. and I go to the gym. I mean, this is really totally un before my ritual was I get on Instagram and <laughs> yeah. but now I'm really just programming uh, a different habit for myself. I also do a wordle a day, um, nice. my brain. Um, so I do that every morning. Awesome. My last question for you in the random round is what is your favorite word and why? Truth. Ooh. I am turned on deeply by the truth. Nice. If I weren't selling, I would have a private investigative company or <laughs> I would be a gossip person and just asking a lot of questions and interviewing people because I like people that tell the truth. And what I mean by truth is they show themselves and they allow themselves to be seen. And I think there's something really beautiful and magical and it energizes me completely. To see that. I love that. Thank you for that. Andra, I really appreciate you coming on the show. If our listeners want to find you, follow you, reach out to you, connect you, how can they do that? Just go to andrabolin.com. You can learn more about how I work with people, but also hang with me on Instagram. Cool. Um, you'll see my shenanigans. It's not always about selling. It's just about living. And I, I like to show people the full spectrum of who I be. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Thank you. Your success is important to me, and it's also important to me to make sure that these episodes are valuable to you. I would love for you to do a few things right now. I'd love for you to hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. That's hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. Second, I'd love it if you'd head over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. That's head over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. We have an immense amount of interaction on both platforms. We also share different information on both platforms. So we look forward to seeing you there.
Last and definitely not least, I love to chat with you, give feedback on the episodes, and find out any topics that you're interested in to help make this podcast more powerful and helpful to you achieving the success you've always dreamed of, desired, and deserved. Head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. Let's get a 15-minute call on the schedule. I look forward to getting to know you. Always remember this. Choice is a powerful thing, and suffering is always optional. Get out of your way so that you can get on your way so you can finally have your way. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Whether it's mastering your mindset, communication, or success, we have more ways to keep you on your journey to greatness. Be sure to visit us at pivotpointadvantage.com for exclusive online training programs, success-specific courses, and more ways to connect to Stacy directly to help you achieve the financial success you've always desired, dreamed, and deserved. That's all available on pivotpointadvantage.com.